The Last Word with Matt Cooper. And so let's go to the United States. And if you want to know how big a pickle they're in when it comes to Oh, the state of politics. Just look at this iOS CNN entrance poll done at the caucuses last night. They asked these questions. Do you think Joe Biden legitimately won in 2020? The answer, yes, from just 30%. No, from 65%. They asked that if Donald Trump was convicted of a crime, was he fit for the presidency? Yes, said 64%. No, said 31%. Before we talk to Cal Thomas and Marion McKeown, let's hear a little bit of Trump reacting to his very large victory in the Iowa caucus last night. They only want to see one thing. They want our country to come back. They're embarrassed by what's going on. Our country is laughed at. All over the world, they're laughing at us. And they want our country to come back. They want America, you know, they want us to be great again. It's a very simple MAGA, make America great again. And America first. America first is a very important part of MAGA. The big night is going to be in November when we take back our country and truly we do make our country great again. Oh, the same old songbook again. It wasn't funny the first time. It's not funny now. There's nobody outside of America laughing at this. Cal Thomas, what do you make of his victory in the Republican caucuses in Iowa? It was the lowest turnout, Matt, in uh, more than a decade. The weather had something to do with that, as sub-zero temperatures. But I think a lot of people al- already thought that uh, Trump's victory was assured, so why go out and freeze to death? Uh, I continue to be concerned about the attitude expressed in some of those uh, figures you mentioned about how uh, Biden did not legitimately win the election. But there are two strains here going through this. Uh, people are so fed up with what is going on in Washington, the massive debt, the open border, the high crime in many of our cities that many of them are willing to overlook Trump's considerable flaws in order to put their hopes in a man, a very flawed man, to do what uh, other candidates and other presidents have not been able to do. And as far as your comment about the same old songbook, we get this from Democrats and Republicans in every election cycle. Elect me and I'll fix what's wrong in Washington. Well, we elect them and nothing's been fixed in Washington. So a lot of the Trump supporters think he's the man. But one person can't do it all in a divided government unless you elect uh, a majority of your party in the Senate and the House of Representatives. And do they not realize that he was in there before and his previous reign of terror was dreadful? Well, I don't know if I'd call it a rate of terror, but, uh, yeah, he did not accomplish a lot of the things he claimed to accomplish. He was going to close the border. He didn't. Uh, He increased the national debt. He overreacted on COVID-19 shutdowns. And a lot of other things he claims to have done or wanted to do, he didn't accomplish. So uh, an enterprising reporter should ask him, uh, if you didn't do it before, what makes you think uh, you're going to be able to do it uh, a second time if you get the chance? 
Yeah, I shouldn't have said reign of terror. I should have said reign of error, after error, after <laughs> error. Instead, Mary McKeown, I'm going to, who is leaving Iowa on her way for New Hampshire. No surprise in last night's outcome in relation to the level of support for Donald Trump. But was it the death knell, perhaps, for Ron DeSantis, even though he became second, that he got so little support, having put so much time and money into Iowa, that he's banjaxed for the next few states he heads to? Yeah, I you know, I think that there's no real purpose in Ron DeSantis staying in the campaign at this stage. He did scrape 20% or thereabouts, but Donald Trump beat him by over 30 points. He's got absolutely no game in New Hampshire worth mentioning, uh, and he's not going to make much of a dent in South Carolina with Donald Trump dominating there. You know, it was really interesting here last night, Matt, because when you look at the figures, as Cal said, fewer than one in eight Republicans turned out to vote. Uh, and, and those who did, over half of them did vote for Donald Trump. But this is like over, less than half a percent of Iowa turned out to vote um, for about three percent of the, the number of delegates needed to win the nomination. So the stakes are so small here. There's so little when you look at it that's really up for grabs. But yet everybody became upset with Iowa because they always do. It's not even a good bellwether. The president, the person who wins the presidency, or indeed the nomination, rarely wins Iowa, particularly amongst Republicans. Uh, and, you know, the whole thing was all over in 13 minutes. I was at a caucus in Council Bluffs. We went in. There was a Trump precinct captain there. He said he was a man of few words and he said America first and he sat down again, proving <laughs> his point. And, uh, and, uh, but yet 65 out of 94 people there voted for Donald Trump. Now, they've been expecting at least 400 people. So, again, it shows a level of interest and ambivalence but I've been saying this to you for so long that everybody I've almost spoken to in Iowa since last summer believes that Donald Trump won in 2020 and that Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis had no business challenging him in the first place because they saw him as the legitimate incumbent. And that was borne out, I think, by the poll you referred to earlier, which is is grim news really for, for Joe Biden. And a lot of states, a lot of people believe that they do believe Donald Trump did win in 2020. Okay. And what about Nikki Haley, Marion? And what about Trump's speech? Because instead of hectoring and lecturing all of his opponents, he seemed to be almost nice to them, as if he thinks they're no longer an impediment to his progress. Oh, yeah. You know, but he does that. Like, after he beat Hillary Clinton, he said, oh, she's not so bad. <laughs> I mean, it's like it, he he's like a, a child having a tantrum. He will scream and shout and roar. And then when he gets his way, it's like, well, everything's fine now. Um, so I, I suspect that won't last long, though, because I watch if Nikki Haley um, beats him in New Hampshire or comes close to it, he may still see her as a threat. Now, she's not a threat. She is like the, the you know, the John McCain against George W. Bush. She may do well in New Hampshire. She may pick up some um, traction in South Carolina because it is her home state, but she's not going to beat Donald Trump. He is going to be the nominee, barring some incredibly unforeseen event. Um, you know, that, that I would, I think, either be a death or a serious injury or an illness. Um, I don't see how he, he won't be the nominee because most people don't seem to care even if he is convicted. Most Republicans, I think you mentioned maybe two or two 20%, 30% might reconsider him, which is not good news if he is convicted of something by November, but he is, he's the Republican guy and that really seems to be all that's to it. Okay, but so Nikki Haley has been reluctant, Cal, it seems, to really go on the offensive against Trump. Is that because her real angle is to be the vice presidential nominee? Well, I don't think she's going to be the vice presidential nominee. Uh, 
Trump was asked during a town hall meeting on, uh, I think it was Fox the other night, last week maybe, uh, about a vice presidential choice, and he said he's already made one in his mind, and uh, the follow-up question was, uh, would any of your uh, opponents be under consideration? And he kind of half-smiled and said, no, I don't think so. Uh, he's been praising Kerry Lake, who... Uh, Ran is now running for Senate, ran for governor and lost, and uh, was has been on his side in the conspiracy theories and uh, the fact that the election was stolen from him. She showed up at the uh, Iowa event where Trump spoke last night, and uh, he praised her from the state. So I don't know if, uh, if he has her in mind as a possible vice presidential nominee. But here's the real problem for the Democrats. Uh, uh, Joe Biden's uh, numbers are not going to change. He is not going to become more cognizant. He's not going to become... Uh, more agile in his uh, in his walks and and how he finds himself off the stage. I think those thoughts are already ingrained in a lot of voters' minds. The Obama folks who have been critical of the way he has been running his campaign for a year now uh, are stepping that up in interviews you're seeing on some cable TV uh, stations, uh, including former Trump ad- uh, former uh, uh, Obama advisors. And I think that's uh, bad news for the incumbent president. Okay, and there are some suggestions, some polls, Marion, which would say that maybe Trump is the best candidate for Biden to face because that will get people out to support him, almost anyone but Trump. But if that he was up against Nikki Haley in particular, that then there's a much greater likelihood that he would lose. So what are the Republicans, public, or sorry, the Democrats going to do about this? How much influence does Barack Obama and his previous team have on those who are now running the Biden campaign? Honestly, they have very little influence. I mean, Barack Obama might go around to Biden and have lunch and say, you know, maybe you should talk to David Plouffe or maybe the problem seems to be, and I've heard this in D.C., that that um, the, the top Biden people are still in D.C. They're not at the campaign headquarters in Delaware and that that's slowing things up and it's frustrating the people in Delaware and de- demoralizing them slightly. But look, I, th- I think that you're absolutely right that uh, the, the Biden team want Trump. There's no doubt about that. He's the cat. He's the candidate they want to go against because they do believe that if he is convicted, if any of these trials, criminal trials, get to court between now and November and he is convicted, that it will really give people pause for thought. I think the biggest issue from what I'm picking up out on the campaign trail, uh, the biggest emerging issue is going to be immigration. This is the issue that Donald Trump is going to run on and he's going to to just keep hammering it and hammering it and there is a discernible right-wing drift on immigration and and towards white nationalism amongst a lot of younger Americans that I'm meeting as well at the moment and I think that I don't know what Biden's going to do about that Congress will not pass an immigration reform package while Biden's president because to do so would help him so I think this is going to be a really difficult problem for him. Actually that's an interesting thing I know it's only Iowa and Iowa is so small and it is so conservative and these were Republicans Republican voters, but the fact that younger graduates are now gravitating towards Trump. If that was to be repeated elsewhere in the country, how serious an issue might that be for Biden? Well, I think it would be because Biden relies on a coalition of younger voters, um, of minority voters and, you know, the LGBT community. He relies on a very diverse sort of coalition, whereas Trump's is pretty simple. It's white nationalists and Christians uh, and, and, you know, some some wealthy business people. But um, I think for, for Biden, if he starts losing the youth vote and, you know, the, the younger people are not enthusiastic about him at the moment at all. He's going to have, look, in 
this election it's going to be about turnout. Now it's very true that Trump's voters are much more motivated to turn out than Biden's appear at the moment but Biden's um, voters are independents, our Democrats may become motivated and this is what Democrats are hoping um, if they look at the prospect of a convicted criminal as president. Now I, that's a bit of a, you know, th- they need to do a lot more than just hope about that uh, and people I talk to who are Democrats say look Biden's already working on this and you're forgetting that uh, it won't be just Biden who'll be out in the stump, this will be an election year, There will every um, congressional member will be out in the stump reminding people about what Biden did, etc. So they, they are... Um, okay. You know, there's a division in the Republic, in the Democrats. But, sorry, very briefly, Marion. I know half are going... I know you're in the airport sorry. on your way to New Hampshire. What? When, when is New Hampshire, the primaries on? And very briefly, what can we expect out of it? Uh, Next Tuesday, the primary for New Hampshire is November, I beg your pardon, it's January 23rd, and uh, that, that will be next Tuesday. Uh, the, the, Trump, and when he, apart from his day in court today with Eugene Carroll, and he has to go to his mother-in-law's funeral, but it seems now he's going to be like all over New Hampshire in the next couple of days with surrogates. Nikki Haley is going to be all over it as well. Ron DeSantis has one event there that that's on his diary at the moment, um, but and Ramaswamy is gone. So really, New Hampshire is down to Trump and Haley. It's a head-to-head battle for them there. Okay, I'm going to have to leave it there. Thank you very much, Marion McKeown and Cal Thomas for being with us. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4:30. Today.